Welcome to Don't Box Me In, the show that features conversations with people from all walks of life, talking about their extraordinary experiences and inspirational messages. Now, here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello, hello. I'm Lana Reed, and welcome back to this week's edition of Don't Box Me In. Today's topic is a bit of a hot and spicy one. We're talking sex and relationships. My guest today, born in Nigeria but uh, raised in Scotland, will share her knowledge and training on how to add some intimacy and spark back into our relationships. Maggie Bain is the author of the book Love on the Rock, Take Your Love Life from Ho-Hum to Extraordinary. She states that she is known to approach often taboo conversations with a combination of lightness and intensity because she is uh, unwilling to allow relationships to remain anything less than extraordinary for those who are willing to listen and take action. So I'm glad she's taking a moment to sit down and chat with me, and it is with pleasure that I welcome her to the show. Maggie, welcome to Don't Box Me In today. Well, thank you very much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. And I'm, I'm extra <laughs> delighted that you're, you're all the way over there in uh, Scotland and making time for me. So I really, really appreciate that. Yes, thank you. I know. Isn't the Internet a wonderful thing? Right? Yes, yes. This technology <laughs> is something else. So, um, Maggie, you, you have sort of a 180-degree different start in this line of business. You began as a nurse and a midwife. Um, so how does someone transition, segue to the... Uh, what you're doing now? Hmm? Well, actually, it's to me, for me, it's actually, it seemed like a natural progression. So I was a nurse for over 30 years and I, you know, was um, gaining experience with infertility and um, plastic surgery, which is all about body modification and so much to do with sexuality and our self-confidence and self-esteem. And as I started heading towards 50 and my kids were getting bigger, you know, one does start thinking about the next stage and, you know, what am I going to do? Um, because, you know, seeing a little old nurse running behind a doctor looks a bit <laughs> sad sometimes. But, um, but actually, I had been doing this work without the professional training for many, many years and been okay. helping friends and family with either sexual or relationship issues, you know, at lunchtime and coffee and all of that. And at the end of each session, I'm, I would say, gosh, I'd love to be a sex therapist. So when I was heading near 50 and I started to think, well, what do you really want to do? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, as everybody does, we Google <laughs> and we find out. And at the time I was living in the Bahamas and <laughs> You know, you have to leave the island, island life to um, get further education and training in many things. Okay. So I found that there was an educator in Florida because there aren't many sex therapists. It's a branch of psychotherapy. Mm -hmm. And so I was really crossing boundaries between uh, medical and mental health. But actually, sex therapy is a great balance of those two areas. Um, so that's how I got into it. Okay. So... Uh 50, new career, and uh, <laughs> off and from the Bahamas. Nobody in the Bahamas. When I returned, I was the first sex therapist. So, you know, the word sex therapist puts people off right there and then. Yeah, it's I know. Like, we don't have sex problems, but, you know, he just won't take out the garbage. and <laughs> You know, he's always at the house, and I'm bringing up the kids, and, you know, it's all those things. So the relationship. So that's why I opened the title, um to relationship and intimacy specialist um, because intimacy is much more palatable and relationship means, you know, I had dating couples, I have dating couples, and it's not just exclusive to marriage. Um, so it opens the doors to all sorts of relationships and, um, yeah. Okay, that's good. You know, and I, I think, you know, it's probably a little bit more palatable for people to say I am a relationship and intimacy therapist, you know, because, uh, you know, I think sometimes in, in humans' own arrogance, you know, if you say sex therapist, oh, I don't have any problems. What are you talking about? No, everything's fine. You know, it's it's really sometimes a very touchy subject, especially for couples who have, you know, spent a significant amount of, of time together. So, you know. Well, you're either – I'm either a magnet for people or else – People want to keep away from me. So it's like, exactly. But actually, the word therapist, I use therapist, counselor, specialist, because all of those have so many connotations that 
So it's just finding a place where people feel more comfortable and that you're more approachable to people. So. To help them. To help them. Yeah. Now, now, let me ask you this, you know, since you've been in this work for a minute here, um, I've always felt that intimacy and sex is a very uh, vital part of a relationship. It's a very key component. Oh. But it seems to be something that couples are very reluctant to talk about and bring to the table and, and hammer out together. What is it about um, sex, especially when you're in such an intimate, close close relationship with somebody, that it becomes something that uh, uh, we'll just overlook this. We'll just you know gloss over this and you know talk about what's for dinner tonight. You know why why is it in the back burner of a relationship? It is the key and the very pulse of the relationship. Mm-hmm. So we are so vulnerable. We bear ourselves. You know, physically, <laughs> but emotionally and spiritually. I mean, during those moments, it's the most intimate time when we expose ourselves. So when you have resentments or you feel, you know, it's more the other person than you and things are just a bit off, then it's the place where it just starts, you know, we start pulling back and withdrawing and all that kind of stuff. And we use it sometimes as, the non-communication to what's really going on too. So mm-hmm. it really is the sort of bed of contention sometimes. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's a very tricky thing. And that's where most of my work from when it first started six years ago, and I had a weekly column in the local newspaper, and um, it was just that opening conversation to that it's okay to talk about these things. It doesn't mean that we're going to you know, talk slang and talk bad about, you know, the, the genders. And, mm-hmm. you know, let's just, let's look at where these things have stopped us from getting to a really great place. And that's what my book's about. It's a relationship enhancement book. It's also self-help. But it's also a lot of psycholo- psychosocial things that in it. What, what has stopped us? What has stopped you from believing that you can have that type of relationship? So, okay. yeah. <laughs> so what do you find in your work with people uh, that hinders them from having um, a, a successful relationship? Because, you know, relationships are a very hot, consistent topic. You know, we are always yeah. having issues in our relationships. But you say it's it's a very simple process for people to have a fulfilling one. But it just continuously seems to be something that we struggle with. Because it's ever-changing. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, you may be in a great place in January, but who's <laughs> in June you're going to be in such a great place because forever we're changing and our lives are changing and we're, you know, missiles are flying at us from all directions throughout our lives. Mm-hmm. So it's we have to be, we have to pay attention to what's going on. And so it's really creating that safe space. And so much is to do with the communication, you know, and getting to know your partner. Um, but it's what gets in the way of that. And it's the resentments. It's the anger, resentments, the lack of trust, the lack of, and uh, one of my favorite thing is just that you don't feel that your partner gets you. They don't see, they don't understand. Um, and so it's that, it's the off balance thing. And, you know, I think this is probably um, one of the helpful tools for this is something that you mentioned in your book is I think people really don't spend enough time, you know, building that friendship in the beginning of a relationship. A lot of times we kind of rush into the sexual element of it and and that could kind of cloud judgment of if is this person a good partner for me uh, for a long period of time, a lifelong partner. So, um you know, a lot of times I see people get into relationships and it's two or three years down the line and they're like, wait a minute, this person doesn't really get me or understand me. But your vision was kind of clouded by, you know, maybe possibly wonderful sex or something like that. So um, yeah. I think I think it, the chapter and you could correct me if I'm wrong. It's something about uh, becoming best friends. Yes. Uh-huh. OK. So yeah. so we really need to spend more time um Becoming friends with the person that we're going to settle down with. Which is the whole really getting that whole talking and listening, mm-hmm. you know, really great conversations and really talking about things past the superficial stuff, you know, really getting into your childhood stuff, your fears, your dreams, you know, your expectation, all of that stuff instead of, you know, shopping and, and, and all that type of thing and work. 
So it's definitely, you know, it's a balance. Some mm-hmm. people have the great sexual chemistry to begin with have the great relation, you know, great mm-hmm. relationships and they last and some don't. Is there a crystal ball to this? No, but at the same time, we know that it is more than just chemistry and sex. We know the relationship as well is extremely, extremely important because, you know, we're all <laughs> aging at the same rate and our sex hormones will change and deteriorate. And so, you know, our drives change and things change. What so will you have? Yeah. What will you have after the, the sex is yeah. not there? Yeah. But on saying that, it's extremely important to have that great chemistry gotcha. because, like we just said, the uh, it, sexual intimacy is so important. And not just the sexual intimacy, intimacy is closeness. So the closeness that you have is so important that um, we know that this is the key thing to the relationships. So And it is instrumental to sustaining a relationship a committed relationship over the years. So otherwise, you're just with your best friend, you know? Gosh, your best friend. Yeah, we love our best friends, but it's the passion and the spark and all that energy and the heat that we all want as time goes on. Okay. Now let me play, you know, devil's advocate for a minute here. There are some people out there who feel, um, let me see here, why should I buy a pair of shoes without trying them on first. So um, a lot of times when uh, people decide to go into relationships and understanding that sex is such an important part, they want, they want to try it out before they kind of fully, fully commit to this thing. Is it possible to have a best friend relationship? We do have uh, chemistry. We do have intimacy. But we do not embark on sex until after uh, we have committed to each other. Is it possible to have successful relationships in those, or should they they really try to see if they're compatible sexually before they say, okay, we can we can get married, for instance? Yeah, you know, there's so many variations and so many different forms of relationships and how people start. There is no right or wrong. Um, we know statistically that arranged marriages actually have the same. Uh, statistics for divorce as somebody that meet and fall in love. So, um, but you know, there's, there's a preference there. It's okay. like, so what happens if they are your best friends? Everything is wonderful. And then you do try out, test the waters before you get married. And what happens if you are that one memory of that one time is so bad to put you off? Mm-hmm. Um, is it worth like, is it something majorly wrong? Is it something that, because, you know, we all think that we're supposed to know all these things. It's supposed <laughs> to be natural. But, you know, there's a lot to do with confidence and skills. And who's to say that, you know, one of you is much more experienced than the other. And then, you know, the, there's so much dynamics and variation there. So um can't really say that there's something particular. But... I'm a great believer, and when the red flags are flying mm-hmm. before you commit, you better get those worked out because commitment, actually committing, whether it's through marriage or buying property and all that sort of thing, is not going to change the basic things that is setting an alarm bell off in your head. So it's so important. And if you can't work those out yourselves by talking or correcting or making little changes, then definitely you need to see a professional okay. because it's amazing a third person in the room just opens things out and people start listening and talking so Instead much. Of more ar- Instead of <laughs> arguing back and forth with each other, yeah. you always yeah. need that third party sometimes to kind of <laughs> buffer things. Maggie, we're going to take a quick commercial break. Hang in with me. We'll be right back. Okay. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, 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 and welcome back. Today I am with Miss Maggie Bain. She's a relationship and intimacy therapist and also author of the book, Love on the Rock, Take Your Love Life from Ho-Hum to Extraordinary. And uh, Maggie, before the commercial, we were uh, talking about uh, some red flags that people uh 
probably overlook or need to pay attention to. And I kind of want to get into that. Uh, but first, when it comes to building an intimate relationship, how do people go about doing that? A, a new couple, what tools or tips would uh, you suggest to a new new couple trying to embark on a, a satisfying relationship? Well, first of all, I usually spend a lot of time and it may sound obvious and the words have been thrown about about safe space mm-hmm. and um, people are like sort of blasé about it. But it really is the key to, um, I, I call it, you know, why do we choose to share our short story with somebody and mm-hmm. another person we share our long story? <laughs> It's that place of comfort. It's that place where we feel the person is listening to us, where we feel accepted, where we know we're not going to be criticized or humiliated or shut down or solutions thrown up, you know, right there, left and center. And so it's that place of comfort. And so that doesn't come naturally to some people. I mean, we all have had relationships where things have just been easy You know, where you have that where it just feels very comfortable and easy and other times a great person, but it feels that you have to work at it. And so and it may come in time, but for some people it isn't. So, again, these are learned skills. You know, it's time and choosing the right time and place. And really that whole thing about becoming a great listener is the key to a really great relationship, too, of that communication part of it. So that's an art, sitting back and just listening. And it's what I call respectful listening. It's like, I'm not going to interrupt you. I'm not going to put you down. I'm not going to, I'm giving you respect. And so once you really get that and manage and practice it and get it right, then you're in a place that you can either ask or you can expect it from your partner. Because it's like, okay, you had your time. Now it's my time. And so that takes up a lot of time. Yeah. So we've got safe space and respectful listening. Now, when two people are um, new to a relationship, and uh, I don't know, maybe when you've worked with people before, what are some red flags that might pop up to say, maybe this is not the relationship that I should be in. So I'm going to assume some of it is that one of the partners doesn't give respectful listening or doesn't understand safe space. But that's not to say that we can't learn these behaviors. Exactly. exactly. Well, the real serious ones, and, you know, when we talk about trust, we always think it's to do with fidelity. Mm -hmm. Um, But trust touches on every aspect of a relationship. It really is the cornerstone to a relationship. It is that, can I count on you to pick up the milk <laughs> for dinner? You know, when I say that, can I count on you? It's the dependability is a real red flag there. So it's like, well, if you can forget to pick up the children at 3 o'clock after school, well, I'll just do it. And then so we start... Um, separating and it's like well I just won't ask him to do it because I know he won't do it you know mm-hmm. and so there's a distance that comes about and so real rock solid love is all about that let me lean on you okay. let me continue you when catch me when I fall you know it, it's that real rock solid person because dependability is the thing that we all crave You know, it's that we want somebody to be there when everybody else falls by the wayside. So, um, yeah. Dependability and trust. And I've noticed uh, sometimes in my work with people, um, married couples, wives, there's it's a traditional thing that they type. You hear them doing um, like. I will, I will reward you with sex if you, if you take out the trash or something like that. You know, you're, you're not being dependable. So let me give you some sort of motivation to be the reliable person that I want you to be. But that in itself is a dangerous trap to fall into. Yes. Yes. I talk about this in the book too. I, I call it love being portioned out. Mm -hmm. No, it's like we give it out in little slices. You know, a little bit compared with, as you say, the, the, the deed that has been done. Yeah. It's a danger. You know, this is where we get into the tit for tat. You know, mm-hmm. well, he didn't do this, so I'm not going to do this. Yes. And so, 
this isn't really this. Well, this isn't <laughs> what love is, and this is not what extraordinary relationships about. So you have to read the book to read about big love, which <laughs> is stepping outside ourselves, getting past our own ego and our own needs, rather than and supplying the need to your to your lover. And it's amazing. Then, you know, when I'm kind to you, then you're kind to me. And then you're kind to ourselves. We're kind to ourselves. So it's the oneness in the relationship. And so it's, it's the mirroring, but it's, so it's a learned behavior. And this is where habits, isn't it so easy to get into that? Once you start that habit, before you know it, that's what your relationship's running on. You know, the portioning out. Um, so yeah, there are many, many things. And this is why it's a powerful little book. And I've been told, I've got some of my clients and readers have read it three times. They leave it as coffee table books. It's a great discussion <laughs> point. They have it beside their bed so that when things come, you know, so it's um, one of my, uh, and a lot of men read it uh, because awesome. not like getting inside of the head of a woman, but also one of my um, favorite clients, you know, who, um, I would say he's one of my, my biggest male client. And he mm-hmm. said, um, in his review, he said, I thought I was a perfect husband until I started reading your book. And then I realized very quickly I was deficient in many areas. And he said it was life changing. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's changing your viewpoint and your angle and your perspective. And so, you know, there we go. Awesome, awesome, awesome tips. Now, you yourself have been married for over two decades, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. What What have you learned in your own personal experience that you are able to bring to your, your career, your practice, and how you help people? Because I'm pretty sure, you know, with marriage, there's ups and downs, there's learning oh. curves, there's, oh, we messed that up completely, let's try it this way, so... Well, you know, when I started writing this book, and I worked with a great book coach and editor, uh, Amanda Johnson of True to Intention, and she was the one that told me uh, that I had to write personal stories in each of my chapters. Okay. So you've got three personal stories. Uh, they're called show me stories. Mm-hmm. So it's not just me telling you, you know, technically and, you know, uh, perhaps a little bit therapy, whatever. You know, I'm showing you, I'm telling you my story because I've walked the walk to be able to talk the talk, right? Okay. So very much that. So I've had an extraordinary relationship. I know about the good, but I always say I am a woman. I am every woman. And <laughs> I have experienced deep betrayals and I understand the pain of that. And so it's made me a better therapist. It's made me a better writer and speaker. And so uh, life has many, many ebbs and flows to it. And that's what I'm saying is life changes. And, you know, sometimes we have relationships for certain times in our lives. And we've got to know that it's all part of the learning because we are growing and changing as years go on, too. So, yeah. And you want to find somebody. I mean, you know, you and your husband have been together for uh a little bit of time there, but you do want to find somebody that can grow with you. And I think sometimes in uh, the strength of some relationships, what you find is one partner kind of taking off in their personal development and the other partner might, you know, I'm comfortable right here. And I, I think sometimes that too can provide challenges for the, the health, health of the relationship. And you know, as women, <laughs> and we're speaking to that this is, very common thing. And I experienced this. This is through my growth, things changed. Um, so, yes, you know, and people don't always say, you know, they think they, they're keeping up with you and you think everything's all right and then something happens. But, you know, our own personal growth cannot be stunted. Once we start growing, our spiritual, intellectual and emotional growth is going to keep on growing as far as we allow it to. So, you know, are you wanting to suppress things within yourself um, and stunt your own growth? Um, it's it's a very tricky thing, and it's a conflict. I call it the awakening mm-hmm. that I see with a lot of, particularly women, sometimes in their early 40s or 50s, and 
because we're so taken up with child rearing and uh, running households and careers and all that sort of thing that when our children do start to grow um, and be more independent, then there's the shift. The dependency shifts. And so we've got to just be aware of all these things, Be at, pay attention and talk about. Now, you see, this is where if you haven't cultivated and really kept all of that going throughout the years, how are you going to be able to talk about these things later on in life? So it's so important to, and that's why I really take my hat off to young dating couples that come and see me. And I'm like, gosh, you know, this is the best investment. And I always praise them because they're learning things of how to deal with um, small things before they get to huge things, which is what usually a lot of couples things are about. Awesome, awesome. Good tips. Now, I think this will kind of uh, bring us to a point um where you one point that you make a concept that you talk about is a true rubber band connection wow. and I guess, I guess this is very important to, to have this going on between a couple when we might re- reach these certain points in our life what exactly is a true rubber band connection mm, I call it the rubber band connection because it's that ping mm-hmm. that ping that we feel where, that reminds us of our rightful place to spring back to okay. it's that you know, the first cutting of the cake and who are you going to give that first piece to? Mm-hmm. It's like you bypass other people to get to our partner. It's a reminder of not just, I wouldn't say our rightful place, but it's a reminder of the intimacy, the closeness. And I call it the, 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 uh, the short, um, gosh, the words have completely gone in my head. You know, <laughs> it happens to me all the time. <laughs> oh, no, nothing like when you're on radio. Uh, you know, the shorter the band, the tighter the connection. That's so there's right. not a space between you, right? You know those couples that may be sitting, you know, you're going out for dinner or something, and they're sitting way apart from each other, you know. And I'm not saying you need to be glued to each other, but at some point through the evening, if you're at a party, you will come back to each other. It's that, um, it's what I call the ping. It's the ping. This is my home base. This is my home base. Yes. <laughs> you know, if you've got a large rubber band and it's thin and there's, then, you know, there's a big wedge that can go between you, whether you want to play with, you know, pillows between you and all of that. So it's, something's coming between you. Um, but when you've got that tight band, when I call it that when you interact with each other, it's like silk on silk mm. you know, and things run smoothly and things are moving, but is, there's no friction. Um, but, you know, when things are off balance, those are the couples that feel it even more because they're not used to it. And so things feel like sandpaper to them. Mm. And so um, that's an indication. Now, there's a lot of couples that, you know, have parallel lives and are doing their own thing on either side and they come intermittently. Now, they've got a very wide, large rubber band connection, mm-hmm. you know, and so a lot of things can come between. And so and what often happens is other people can come between. And uh-huh. so there we go. Awesome. Okay, good information. Uh, rubber band connection. We need to look for those. Miss Maggie, we're going to take a quick commercial break. Stay with me. We'll be right back. Let's return to Don't Box Me In with your host, Lana Reed. Hello, 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 and welcome back. Today I am with the author of the book, Love on the Rock, Take Your Love Life from Ho-Hum to Extraordinary, Miss Maggie Bain. And uh, before the break, we were talking about the rubber band connection and how couples, you know, need to establish this connection to maintain the strength of their relationship. Now, Maggie, I want to ask you... Um, I'm going to give you these three stages of relationships that um, I talk about quite frequently. And I, if you can, I'd like you to give some pointers on what you think uh, couples can do at this particular time to maintain the health of their relationship. Okay. Uh, there's In a marriage, there's a time where um, there's a new baby. We have new parents. 
and it, it's a challenge to, because uh, you have a new mother, you have a new dad, you know, the child is kind of the focus of the relationship now. It's not only, it's not just them anymore. Um, and, and sometimes this is where we see couples start to fragment and start to separate. What can you suggest that couples do at this particular time in their um, married life or, or committed life to make sure that they stay emotionally healthy and intimate? Yeah. So first and foremost, it's recognizing that this can happen. Okay. You know, first recognize, you know, whether it's during the pregnancy, talk about that this is, it's going to be a change. Mm -hmm. Things aren't going to be the same. Like you said, from two, there's going to be three or (laughs) four. But um, it's the change. So understanding. And then you can talk about different scenarios. Well, it could be like this and we could feel like this and how are we going to deal with this? So it's anticipating these things beforehand helps um, sort of pull things in before it all starts to splinter. So um, because it is only natural that the mother, we know the mother is going to be very consumed with the baby. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, but the father obviously has to be, you know, brought in and included in that. So, you know, and as mothers, we love that whole, you, know, <laughs> you do a little bit of this and whether it's <laughs> a or, you know, talk about the cooking or whatever. It's that feeling of still being needed, mm-hmm. which is so important. When we don't feel that we're needed anymore, that the need is being satisfied by a baby um, and the other way around, the mother may feel that she's completely consumed by the baby and that she isn't needed by him anymore. So it's that we still, it's a basic, basic need of all relationships, of all genders and everything. We lose sight of the fact that we all need to feel that we're needed, wanted and loved. Okay. And I, yeah, I do think those are um, three points those that are you... Key, key, key things. So anticipate it and plan it. And, you know, I'm a great believer in a little bit of humor. You know, (laughs) things get so serious. And, you know, music's a great, you know, you've got to find the things that lift you a little bit. I call it in my book, the zest bottle. Uh Things that can lift our spirits. Because change is difficult sometimes. Change is often really great. um, But change isn't always easy. And so it's recognizing. So recognize first. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, sometimes with new parents, um, you know, like you said, it does a lot of the responsibility does fall on the mother for things. But men tend to still have that need of, you know, here it is. I work this hard eight hour day. I want to come home. And he has his own stress relief, which is usual his intimate bond with his wife. But, you know, he might walk into, oh, I'm I'm breastfeeding, I had to take care of the baby, you know, and he's like, wait a minute, I still have needs of you as my partner, but this child is now here, so we have to find some sort of way to balance it out, and I think, um, you know, those are concerns that, you know, and like you said, with communication, we need to understand both parties have their needs, you know, mothers tend, women tend to go into the mother role, but the father still has his, I need my wife or my significant other yeah. expectations <laughs> once we get over the first month where you know the, there are the physiological changes and the healing of the woman's body but the women can feel that too they want to feel oh, that they are a woman again and not mm-hmm. just you know a mother and a milk dispenser <laughs> you know it's all so it can work both ways the whole thing is timing too gotcha it's like you know we know babies are dependent. Mm-hmm. They can't just go and feed themselves or whatever. You know, it's a, <laughs> at that early stage, they need help with everything. So the thing is not to take things so personally or as a criticism or as a rejection. So we get so sensitive over that. And that's what comes about with the change. We think we take it that it's rejection. And so, well, if you help her a little bit, mm-hmm. and the both of you do, and she goes to shower, and you hold the baby, and uh, maybe whatever, mm-hmm. you know, work together as a team, work it, and before you know it, the baby's asleep, and then you can have your private love free stuff. time, all the free loving time you know, in the world. It's like, just don't give up so easy. It's like you know, 
it takes a little work and a little negotiation and but you know anticipation is a wonderful thing so yes it, you know. is. Yes, it <laughs> is yes it is okay so the next phase of 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 committed relationships that i like to talk about is um the dreaded what do they say? The seven year itch. Um, I think the phrase is, uh, familiarity breeds contempt. Okay. I've now been with you. You're here every day. I know you're going to, you know, put your left shoe on and tie it this way and then you put on your right. You know, um, how do you get past that, that particular stage in a relationship? Well, that's the whole hum. That's the whole hum. <laughs> and that can actually happen at any stage. We know the honeymoon phase. Yes. Where I think we're just euphoric, you know, and our, dopamine receptive we're just our brains going crazy and you know some people come down from that a little bit you know but maybe even after the two years or whatever so it can actually happen at any stage Mm -hmm. um but yeah it's and this is well this is what my book's all about and that's (laughs) end of each chapter is the exercises which are all titled how can i love you better awesome i like that instead of assuming Instead of trying to mind read each other, instead of, uh, oh, well, you know, all the firsts have gone. I write about firsts a lot, mm-hmm. you know, because that's where the excitement and freshness and when we're teenagers and early 20s or in a relationship is the first kiss, the first time in bed together, the first bathing together, the first this and that. And so we think, oh, well, we've been there, done that. And so, you know, we're preempting things before they even start. Um, but the thing is, you can have as many firsts as you want. And this is where the creativity and the playfulness of a rock solid love relationship comes about because there are no end of firsts. Mm-hmm. And so it's getting back that passion. And basically the tip to that, again in the book, is <laughs> and I tell people, so many people forget and they, overlook and they miss so many opportunities the little nuances of connecting and flirting with each other you know that little touch that little hug that little stroke of the arm the little pat of the butt whatever it is Mm -hmm. little wink that little you know the little special name that you used to call me that you know you stopped calling me that for the last three years (laughs) it's bringing those in but You know, all this sounds so easy, but if you have got other things, resentment, or if it's been a habit that's been going on so long, if you start introducing it, then it starts, well, why are you doing that? True. What what makes you start doing that? And and people start getting suspicious. Yeah, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Why? Something's wrong. Something's up. Okay, what have you been up to? And all this sort of thing. So, um it can be tricky for some couples and some people, you know, can get through it and some people need professional help. And that's, that's what I'm here for. That's why, that's why Maggie's here. Yes. So the last, uh, relationship, uh, design that I want to talk about is, um, that time frame where we have raised our children. They've now moved out the house, maybe gone to college or whatever, but me and you are now, Back alone, look at each other after 19, 20 years of having responsibilities that have kept us occupied. It is now just me and you day after day. How do people survive that and that part of the relationship? Well, and as we know, that often is the crunch time. Yes. Because sometimes people have known that the relationship is not been doing well. But mm-hmm. so many people, the responsibility of being a parent and raising our children in a household with two parents lays heavily with us. And so that is when we see that time. Now, again, if you haven't got that communication, if you can't talk about it, joke about it, anticipate it, recognize that this is going to happen and having plans. Uh, and this is where the creating and the excitement should be there. You know, if you know that you're going to be with your partner in the next five to 10 years, then we've got to make our lives really great. Mm-hmm. Because we only have one short life. <laughs> you know? And so it's very important to, you know, recognize these things whether you need help, whether you can do it yourselves, 
Start small, take small bites, take small steps. Don't do huge 180 degrees. Otherwise, you know, sometimes that's just too much. You wonder, gosh, I've got a new husband, a new wife. Some people can handle that. <laughs> uh, sometimes it's just too much. And sometimes it's just not necessary. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yes, the planning is for your future together because ultimately our children pass through us. True. They True. are with us. And we are there to pass on and nurture them and guide them. But we want them to be independent. We want them to be uh, adults that they can stand on their own two feet. And yes, that is our role. And we so your intimate, your first relationship with your partner is most important. True. I, I like all of those points. And I think sometimes people just go into relationships and they're going to wing it, but don't understand that they really need to go into relationships with the concept of, you know, we're going to plan, we're going to communicate, we're going to anticipate and pre-plan for any potential problems so that we have a game plan. If it rains today, I know I'm going to carry my umbrella. Okay. If it, you know, it's sunny, I'm going to wear shorts, but with relationships, we don't, we don't have any plan. So, and, and we falter because we don't go into it pre-thinking what if, what if, what if, and this is what I'm going to do. If this happens, this is what I'm going to do. If this happens, this is how I'm going to maintain, you know, and and this is where we see relationships suffer and falter. Um, Maggie, we're going to take our last, hold that thought, we're going to take our last commercial break (laughs) and we'll be right back right after this. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Welcome back. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Today I have been chatting with Miss Maggie Bain, relationship and intimacy therapist and also author of the book, Love on the Rock, Take Your Love Life from Ho-Hum to Extraordinary. And uh, before the break, uh, she was about to speak. <laughs> <Go on. laughs> And I had to go pay some bills, so I want to make sure, uh, give her opportunity to talk about, I think we were talking about uh, new couples setting up along a plan to communicate and anticipate, and you were about to speak on that, and I had to cut you yeah. off there. No, no. <laughs> no, we were, it was the empty nesters, really. It was at the end when our children are all grown. And, you know, I'm a great one for, yes, planning and anticipating and recognizing. But as we all know, you know, best laid plans and life happens and unexpected, you know, whether it's illness or unemployment and there's so many different things and best laid plans, you know, so we can't be rigid. Okay. I always talk about relationship. It's so important to be flexible and, you know, the ebb and the flow of a relationship because it's when we're too rigid, then it all becomes off balance as well. And we're not taking into consideration the other person. While I was before the commercial break, I was wanting to say, because in the book, and I always tell people to, if we can get to the point where creating memories is the most, uh, is a beautiful thing. Once you start thinking in that way, that whatever choice you make, However you present yourself to your person, your partner or family members, other relationships in our lives, it's that not only do you want to walk away with a good memory, but you want them to. Because mm-hmm. it's when we're left with that devastation or a bad experience, then the repercussions from that. Now, I'm all about honesty. Mm-hmm. So you can still present things in a way and I call it the cushioning and that's where taking time and putting time and effort into the loving part the gentle part of the relationship is so important because when we don't when we say things (laughs) they land on a hard floor instead of landing on a cushion Mm. you know it's the compliments it's appreciation it's the lovey-dovey words or whatever it's just that feeling like you know Yes, I may not agree with this and whatever, but, you know, and I, I prefer this and I appreciate this. And so we, we're we more willing to work at something if it's presented in a way that is, you know, our feelings are taken into consideration, too. So it's all about creating memories as well. And so. I think I think when you have um, 
a relationship and it could be a friendship as well where it is built on the foundation of memories you know you can you know sit in the uh the couch one evening and say you remember that time three years ago we were in the grand canyon and so and so i think that creates a stronger bond than you know uh, a relationship that doesn't spend time yeah. making well, one of my exercises on how to <laughs> How, how can I love you better, is reminiscing. That is part of rock-solid relationships. Instead of thinking, you know, it's not just the negative, but, you know, it's like what we've come through, what we've survived, what we've endured together. So it's that feeling that we're a team, that we've done it together, that I can lean on you, I can depend on you, that, oh, my goodness, I hope we never go through anything like that again. And so, you know, there's a great sense of achievement. And I call it the Mutual Admiration Society. You should be <laughs> each other's fan. You know, the biggest fan. Yeah, you're wonderful. And I think you're wonderful, too. And that's that's how you start and maintain that great connection with each mm-hmm. other. Nobody is your biggest cheerleader but your partner, right? Yeah, better be. <laughs> <laughs> Then you're in trouble. (laughs) That's when problems, cracks in the foundation appear. Now, you know, I want to make sure, because we've been spending a lot of time today kind of going back and forth, but I do want my audience to understand that there is a very big difference between sex and intimacy. So could you possibly Mm -hmm. distinguish what what the Mm -hmm. two intimacy involves, per se? Okay. Okay. So... When, when you, I touched on this earlier on, when I talk about intimacy, intimacy is the closeness. Like I said, that sharing, that sharing, why would I share my intimate stories with you if I don't feel comfortable in sharing? So it's that's the difference. And you can be intimate with your best friend or mm-hmm. sometimes with colleagues. So we can be intimate and intellectual. We can be spiritually intimate with people. We can be intimate, the closeness with many people. But our most intimate partner that we choose to be with um, and to make love to, mm-hmm. um, not just sex, it's that loving, it's that whole adoring, it's that more than just intercourse. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the difference. So, but as a sex therapist, as a trained sex therapist, you know, sexual activity um, is much greater for us. We talk about sexual activity is holding hands, hugging, kissing. Oh, we haven't even touched on the kissing thing. (laughs) Kissing is a huge, huge thing. If I have clients that come and see me, I can be sure that more than 90% of them don't kiss anymore. Mm. And kissing is extremely intimate, you know, um, but if you have resentment and betrayals between you, um, there are many people and many women in particular who will say, well, I'd rather have sex, but I'm not going to kiss him. Hmm. So because it's extremely vulnerable, but it's extremely erotic. Why it's vulnerable is because it's extremely erotic. And if you want to arouse your partner quickly and a very passionate way, deep, passionate kissing is... <laughs> Oh gosh, where are we going now? <laughs> but I bet you a lot of people are like, oh, okay, wow, she or he has not kissed me in a while. Hmm, something, yeah. you know, probably a lot of people are sitting here listening and thinking like, oh, yeah. okay, something else is going on here. Now, oh, when- how it's gone the whole hum and it's gone, it's-, it's settled, it's become dull and boring and, you know, yeah. You need to get to communicating and planning. So You need to look on my website. There's lots there. <laughs> and that, that was going to be my next topic because I was on your website and I saw that you do offer um, uh, webinars and private sessions for people. Yeah. What, what, are your, what do your webinars consist of? Mm-hmm. Okay, so, well, you know, for your special guest, Lana, <laughs> your special guest, so people, I know when I say webinar, webinar, and when we're in this type of work that we do, we think we everybody knows what webinar means. Mm-hmm. But webinar is a seminar on the web. Mm-hmm. So it's like a workshop. Um, you can, you know, watch it on your laptop, on your desktop, in your home, at your own convenient time because I send you a recording. So my webinar is called How to Create Rock Solid Love, and it comes with the book. Okay. And so it's working with the book, but it's me talking like this, but teaching and a very, um, it's not superficial. It goes to a lot of depth, 
there's slides that go with it because you know sometimes when we're listening to these things we start zoning out so <laughs> great we slides to go along cues. with it but there's always a reminder at the end of each call so that's for six weeks for 40 minutes six weeks every sunday night um and we go through and you're building up and but the thing is just like the book i say there's like a health warning in the introduction it will touch you Okay. It will touch those tender spots and it will wake up those things when you think, mm, that, that's why I'm not, you got to that place. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what happened to us. Okay. Well, we need help with that. And so I allow, you know, there's opportunities always to contact me, um, for private session work at any time. And you have access to me all the way through the webinar at any time. So um, we can touch bases and we can do for that. And so it's a great way for people to, you know, test the waters and see what this type of work is. Because if we just pick up a self-help book anywhere in a bookstore, you know, we tend to pick up the ones that answer, give us the answers we want to hear. Mm-hmm. Sometimes uh, we need to dig deeper because, and we need to hear things that touch us in ways that wake up some memories for us. And, you know, and so it's, I help you go through and get to that place because it's transformational work. It's actually, I will walk with you because I've walked there and I will take you to that place of an extraordinary relationship, which is different for everybody. Okay. What's extraordinary for you is extraordinary for me. So just so, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. I think everybody needs to uh, reach out to you. I mean, individual, and you don't even have to be in a relationship from the, no, no. you know, I, I think in our own personal growth and development yeah. so that when you do embark on a relationship, you will be healthy for it. So even before you get in a relationship, it, it's beneficial Absolutely. to you to seek Miss Maggie Bain. You know, Maggie, we are at the end of the hour here. It uh, goes so fast for me all the time. Um, I want to uh, thank you for hanging out with me today. My guest has been Miss Maggie Bain. Please visit her website, rocksolidlove.com. Pick up her book. It's available on Amazon, right? Well, you can get it straight on the website. Just click there, and um, it'll take you straight through to the Amazon page. And, of course, please join me on Facebook. Okay, and Rock Solid, if they go to rocksolidlove.com, they can also sign up for the webinar and for the yeah. private sessions as well. Okay, cool. Exactly. Oh, I should say, can I just say that um, if you put in the promo code LOVE, L-O-V-E, um, because you're listening to the show, you'll get a nice discount on the webinar. So there you go. There you go. L-O-V-E. <laughs> Everybody put in the code and get a discount. Maggie, okay. thank you for hanging out with me. Continued success in all the uh, lives you touch. Thank you so much. Thanks, That's- Anna. That's all for this week's show. I'll be back next week at the same time. Until then, remember when it comes to your dreams, the words can't and won't should never slow you down. There is always space to change and to grow. Don't be boxed in. Live your very best life. I am your host, Lana Reed, and I will see you next week. <laughs>